0: Y'all today we're starting off with a question and that is why are you watching porn and or playing video games? While you think of your answer I want you to see if it lines up with Josh Hawley's recent speech. Can we be surprised that after years of being told that they are the problem that their manhood is the problem more and more men are withdrawing into the enclave of idleness and pornography and video games. <laughs> what are you talking about, Josh? Did your wife find you playing honey pop and she didn't believe that you were just playing it for the strategic element? So then you overcompensate with this ridiculousness and then to stay on brand, you blame the evil, evil liberals. Like Josh, why do you suck this much? Like what happened and who did it to you? This is a new show. But yeah, y'all welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. I missed you yesterday. I uh, hit that like button to help spread some common sense news coverage with the never ending ridiculousness happening in the world. It is needed, so I appreciate your support. But that said, let's just jump into it. And the first thing that we're gonna talk about today is this controversy involving one of the most influential podcasters in the world, Joe Rogan, back in the news because of his new stance against government propaganda. Sharing this clip on his Instagram to his 13.4 million followers. You're having a reaction. Um, you're gonna be fine. Hold still. Wait, what brand of medicine? I don't know. What's in it? Medicine. Medicine? how long it reset for? I don't know. What are the stats from Europe? You could die. What does Joe Rogan say? Cold Joe. We don't question the science when our life depends on it, so why question it when millions of lives depend on it? Science has our backs. Get the Vax. And writing in the caption of that video, not only has Australia had the worst reaction to the pandemic with dystopian police state measures that are truly inconceivable to the rest of the civilized world, but they also have the absolute dumbest propaganda. But uh, uncharacteristically, it appears that Joe did not do his research and it's not a government ad, but rather a segment from a comedy panel show. It's an Australian TV show called Gruen that has a specific focus on marketing and advertising. With this specific comedic bit coming from an episode that aired a few weeks back that was tackling vaccine rollout campaigns. And seemingly upon later learning this Joe edited his caption to say, apparently this is not a real ad, it's from a satirical show. Which some have commended him for updating that pose, but also others saying that doesn't do anything to stop the spread of misinformation because everyone who already saw it, they're not gonna see the update. But also, with this, the people involved with the video have responded to this mix-up slash spreading of misinformation, including someone from Paper Moose, which is the group that made this writing. When I wrote Joe Rogan into the Paper Moose Pro Vaccine ad for Gruin HQ, we could only hope he'd think it was real and share it with his 13 million followers. But the CEO of Paper Moose, Nick Hunter, also adding, it's totally delicious that he would misunderstand the point of the ad. It's an exemplary example of the problem with misinformation and what we're trying to combat. And then let's talk about our douchebag of the day, 18 year old TikTok star Damari Mikla. And that's because going into this last weekend, Damari apparently was like, I want a new Title. Yes, I'm known as a TikTok star because I have over 4 million followers. I'm known as a great teen father. I got this adorable child, but I also, I want to be Florida man in a news story. And that's exactly what he did. Burning out the tires of his Dodge Challenger next to a patrol car. with dash cam footage then showing him running a red light before speeding off and triggering a high speed chase. A chase that reportedly got up to 100 miles per hour. With Damari not pulling over despite the police pursuing him, flashing their lights, activating sirens. In fact, he was ultimately arrested outside of his home. And according to local reporters, after Damari was read his Miranda rights. He boasted about earning 400,000 to $450,000 a year. According to one highway patrol trooper, Damari advised his state of mind was that he was young, makes a lot of money and has a fast car and he can do whatever he wants. But also then saying that he admitted that was a foolish way of thinking and not a good way to live. Saying that he wanted to do something fun for three seconds and it cost him. Yeah, those few seconds and the joy ride after may cost him a lot. He's since been charged with eluding the police with disregard of safety to persons or property, reckless driving and racing on a highway. And uh, hell, just that first charge alone is a second degree felony that could put him behind bars for up to 15 years. Now, that said, Damari for his part posted a video to his channel over the weekend confirming his arrest. And then he does seem emotional. He's not looking at the camera, admitting that his current way of thinking is dumb and that he wants to be in his daughter's life, but his behavior isn't reflecting that. And saying that it's gotten to the point where his family has actually raised concerns. And so he needs to take a break from the internet to find himself again. He take a look in the mirror and actually look if this is who I want to become because it's not you know, as I say more and more on this show, words are great, but actions define you. Like hopefully this is a real genuine moment of reflection of him going, oh man, I can't live like this and be the father that I want to be. Because I mean, that's one of the first things you learn as a father is everything is now so much bigger. What happens to you just doesn't happen to you. And when he was in that high-speed pursuit, yeah, he could have hurt people in other cars, but if he died, if he gets in prison here, it just doesn't impact him. It affects his child. You're a little girl for up to 15 years, arguably her most formative ones might not have her father in her life. Our kids don't get to choose who their wagon is hitched to. And so I'll commend him for, yes, doing the bare minimum, acknowledging what a fuckhead he was, but actions define you. We will see what happens from here. But from that, I want to take a second to pay the bills and thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Squarespace. You know, I know over the past year or so, a lot of you have found your passion projects and what truly makes you happy. Whether that means finally getting your independent business off the ground or creating a place to share your homemade goods, new favorite hobby, current obsession, or maybe even a personal blog to get all those thoughts out of your head. No matter what you are doing, Squarespace is there to help, and it's all so easy. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever, and creating a website with Squarespace's all-in-one platform has never been so simple. It's extremely intuitive and easy to use. Plus, with Squarespace, you get access to all their marketing tools and analytics and personalized support from their award-winning customer care team via email or live chat, whatever you need 24-7, they are available to help out. So if you wanna check it out, you wanna see if it's right for you, go start your free trial today over at squarespace.com fill and when you realize you love it, make sure you enter an offer code fill to get 10% off your first purchase. And then, we. we. We should definitely talk about the Supreme Court for two big reasons. So the first is that the court actually ruled against healthcare workers in Maine who were asking for a religious exemption to the state's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. With that decision being made in a six to three vote with only Justices Neil Gorsuch, Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito voting in favor of the exemption, which very notably meant that the court's three progressive justices were joined by Chief Justice John Roberts, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, and Justice Amy Coney Barrett. And there's been a lot of focus on those last two with a lot of conservatives painting them as traitors, but very important. If you take a second to look under the surface, you look the brief opinion from Kavanaugh and Barrett, they seem to indicate that the reason they voted against this wasn't because they were against it, but rather because it was filed as an emergency appeal, meaning that the case saw no oral arguments. With Barrett writing that the court shouldn't make such a decision, quote, on a short fuse without benefit of full briefing and oral arguments. So there's reason to believe that she and Kavanaugh could have potentially voted differently if the case had been brought in a different way. And then in addition to that big notable news, you had the justices yesterday hearing arguments on two cases related to Texas's extremely restrictive abortion law. Though very notably, neither case actually focused directly on the right to health have an abortion. Instead, each case, one brought by Texas abortion providers and one brought by the U.S. Department of Justice, centered on whether the law can legally be challenged in court. Right? Because remember, this law was designed to be very tricky and hard to throw out. Like That was by design because the enforcement isn't given to police or the state, but rather given to everyday citizens. Right, They are the ones who can sue anyone who carries out or aids an abortion for $10,000. And while the decision is very, very far away, what we learned yesterday is that Kavanaugh and Barrett may not be on board with the law. At least, as far as it concerns abortion providers' right to challenge the with them actually seeming a bit less willing to side with a case involving the DOJ. This because as Politico explained, Kavanaugh seemed troubled by the possibility that allowing the Texas law to remain in effect could lead other states to pass laws that would intrude on various rights protected by the constitution. Kavanaugh theorizing that a left-leaning state could offer a $1 million bounty against those who sell an assault rifle like an AR-15, then claim it wasn't using state power because only private parties could bring the suits. And saying, there's a loophole that's been exploited here or used here. It could be free exercise of religion rights. It could be second amendment rights. Meanwhile, Barrett noted the law is structured in such a way that it prevents providers from presenting a quote, full constitutional defense. But once again, this is not a clear locked in statement regarding how they're going to vote, but it is notable that the justices appointed by Trump are skeptical here. Plus, this isn't even the biggest fight about abortion going to the Supreme Court in the next month, right? In just one month, the court's gonna be hearing another abortion case from Mississippi and that one directly asks whether abortion before fetal viability is legal, AKA, that is the case that has the potential to overturn the Roe v. Wade with the current makeup of the court. And of course, with that, we'll be keeping a close eye on what happens. There because either way, what happens will be massive. And then, uh, you may not realize this depending on where you live, but today is actually a very, very big election day. A number of critical votes happening, most notably you have Virginia and New Jersey electing new governors. In Virginia, the race is between Republican Glenn Youngkin and Democrat Terry McAuliffe, and it is very tight. And while sure, no Republican has won a statewide race there since 2009, it is also incredibly important to note that the state has only once voted for a governor who is part of the same party as the sitting president since 1977. And part of that is likely tied to the fact that, one, Virginia is such a contested. State historically, and two, it always elects a governor a year after the presidential election, which is why so many people are looking at this election as a referendum on Biden's presidency. Though, very important to note, this is not a nationwide election. And for people in Virginia, there are major issues in Virginia. Where right, you have Yunkin promising to limit abortion, keep COVID-19 vaccination, a personal choice, and the banning of critical race theory. Meanwhile, McAuliffe has vowed to defend the right to abortion and embrace vaccine mandates for some groups, including school children. Also, you have experts saying that this race is incredibly important for a different reason, and that's how to campaign in a post-Trump world. Or if you're in a red, red state, you can use the Trump playbook. You can be close to Trump. But in a swing state like Virginia, you have to have a young kid navigating fantastically. And he actually has. He doesn't speak against or bash 45 because that would make his base very cold or angry towards him. But he's also not out there doing the photo ops, getting noogied by Trump because that would make a lot of other people who are against Trump cold to him. But also keep in mind, it's not just the one race in Virginia today. We also have several races in the state's house. And while Democrats are mostly playing defense right now, the chamber could flip if enough Republicans are elected in swing districts. Also, remember Virginia is not the only state in play right now. You've got New Jersey. There you have Governor Phil Murphy going against Republican Jack Cittarelli. And there Murphy's hoping to become the first Democrat to be re-elected as governor in more than 40 years. While well, the Democrats there don't seem to be as nervous as they are in Virginia, neither Canada is letting up. Also outside the governor's races, you have three seats in the US House of Representatives being voted on today, two from Ohio, one from Florida. In addition to that, you have Atlanta voting for a new mayor with crime and corruption being the two biggest issues there. With the field there being incredibly crowded, 14 candidates, the top two, both being Democrats. and if no one actually ends up receiving 50% of the vote, the city will then hold a runoff at the end of the month. Then in Minneapolis, you have a very big ballot measure, one that will decide whether or not to replace the city's police department. Right, that coming after George Floyd was murdered last year by former Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chauvin. And so with this, residents will be voting on whether they'll amend the police department's charter to replace it with a department of public safety, which would take a comprehensive public health approach. And some things we would see there, while the department could still have police officers, there wouldn't be a required minimum. Also the current police chief would be replaced by a commissioner nominated by the mayor and approved by city council. And right, so ultimately, what we see with, with how people vote. This is a major police reform test. And ultimately that is where this story and today's show ends. Of course, whether it be this last one, the first story, anything in between, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. But of course, as always, my name is Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.